This is the Family Culture Project, episode 38, How to Teach Your Kids What You Want Them to Know, with guest Darren Brazil. We're Carl and Kimberly Amici, and we're here to help you live a life of purpose with the ones you love. And become the family you were meant to be. Driving culture is primarily a teaching function. If you don't know what you want to teach, you won't do it well. That's why taking the time to map out your family's culture, values, and vision for the future is crucial. It creates a curriculum for the way you'll do life. Today, we're talking with someone who's created a podcast to pass down to his children the things he wants them to know. So today's podcast has a lot of good content. It's a little bit longer than our typical interview. Um, So we're going to jump right into it. Two things that stood out to me in this interview, which which I found very powerful. One was uh, uh, his views on legacy and what that means definitionally. And I want you to focus on on what he said about legacy and how how um, true what he said really is. And hopefully it'll impact you the way it did me. Yeah, what he said about legacy was so interesting and it changed my perspective on the word. I don't think it's too far from the traditional definition that we often think of with the word legacy, but I think that it's a shift that I think is key on how we view ourselves, what we're doing, and our families. Absolutely. Um, And also what stood out well to me is what he said about what we do with our career and what we're doing really with the Family Culture Project, the intentionality around our career and what we do there um, and how we can do the same for our family and how that will really impact society going forward. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's a ton of power in what you invest into your family and we'll, we'll definitely see the ripple effect of it in generations to come. Definitely. Today, I'm talking with Darren Brazil. Darren is the creator and voice of the Dear Kids Love Dad podcast. After 15 years of working in media publishing, he launched Kaleo Creative, which handles online reputation management for small and medium-sized businesses. He's passionate about delivering God's message in an organic way and intentionally living centered around what really matters. Darren lives with his wife and his three boys, soon to be three, in the suburbs of the San Francisco Bay Area. So it's, I'm so excited to have you here. Um, I've been interacting with you on social media and I have thoroughly enjoyed following you on Instagram and watching your family. And most recently you just launched a new podcast and it is about your family. It's for your family. It's for your children. So um, why don't you tell me a little bit about it? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a podcast that's actually uh, messages directed uh, to my kids. So I have two boys, a third one on the way. Um, and I've been wanting to start a podcast for a while now. And I knew I wanted to start something around family, um, mm-hmm. but I didn't know what. And then I also knew I wanted to start something that was around uh, fatherhood and just the state of men in particular mm-hmm. um, and kind of mm-hmm. speak into that. And so this one really, this concept came to me of just like, you know, I really want to pass down wisdoms to my kids, especially because when you look at culture and you look at society, there's not a lot of good messages or wisdom that's mm-hmm. being passed on to children. Uh, you really have to seek it out. Um, and then I was reading through Proverbs one day and you know, the entire gist of Proverbs is Solomon speaking to his children, to the youth, to the next generation and giving his wisdoms. And I just thought, what a, a, what a wonderful, rich resource this is. And mm-hmm. I was trying to think of anything modern day that had the equivalent. And while well, I'm sure there's, there's stuff out there, um, yeah. I, I just couldn't think of anything off the top of my head. And, and I wanted to make something also just a little bit more specific to my kids. So, and, and one of the reasons too, I, I hadn't started a podcast in so long, because there's always that, and as you would know, there's kind of that um, ingrained thought of like, who would care about what I have to say? Yeah. You know, like <laughs> nobody, nobody needs to hear parenting advice or wisdom from me. I even hesitate yeah. to say the word wisdom. I get really like nervous saying that because I'm not an expert, you know, no, no one, yeah. not no one, but most people really aren't. We're all learning. And so, um, you know, these very much are personal family wisdoms, like especially between the relationship I have with my own kids. Um, but what kind of makes this easier for me to do is I really do just think about my kids when I'm recording them. I don't actually think about an audience. I don't think about trying to speak to a larger group. I, I am just talking directly to them, even in the, the language I use, like it's a message to them. So um, it started off as just recording those. I didn't even post them. I just started recording these messages mm-hmm. and having them. Um, I eventually want to get to to a point where I'm putting them on video, but that's just a little more work. So yeah. I'm not ready to get there yet. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, so I just started recording them and then my wife was listening to them. Uh, and she goes, you know, I just post these, you know, maybe like just say what they are and post them and, and kind of see, cause I feel like I'm getting something out of it, even though these are mm-hmm. for, I'm getting something out of it. So I played them for a couple friends and the friends said the same thing. They're like, I feel like there's wisdom here for everybody. Like you could be a parent, you could be not a child, you could be whatever. And mm-hmm. like there's still wisdoms in here that are really, really good that we can pull out from. So that kind of motivated me to go, okay, that's I'll, I'll post these out there and see where it is. But the fact that I'm thinking about just my kids and recording it directly to them really makes it a lot uh, easier on my, um, on my lack of confidence in myself <laughs> as a dad and being able to speak to it. Um, and then I find out that really in the end, it's so much for myself. It, it forces me to um, be a little bit more introspective and reflect on the the dad I am, the husband I am, the man I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and really makes me go, wow, am I living up to these things that I hold as maybe ideals or as wisdoms or as just a good way to live life? Um, am, I, am I exercising the best way I can? So it's really like a, an accountability for myself, which I think is mm-hmm. uh, the kind of the unexpected best result that I'm getting out of doing them. Yeah, that's fantastic. You know, so much about building culture is about teaching a curriculum. And I know that sounds, that that might sound uh, <laughs> a little stuffy. Too much like schoolwork, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but that's what culture is, is you're intentionally building principles into the lives of your family, but you have to know what it is you're going to teach in order to teach it. Absolutely. And so, you know, when I think of what the work that you're doing, you're, let, you're, you're creating a curriculum. You're saying, you know, to your children, I, these are the things that I want you to know so that when you leave your, my house, you're equipped. Mm-hmm. And then it's building culture at the same time. It's creating an environment where you're, you're all learning and you're all growing in the same way together. So mm-hmm. it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. You, uh, you mentioned, uh, we, we were talking about this a little bit off air, right? But, mm-hmm. you know, talking about just intentionality and, and yeah, like, you know, there's, there's that book we were discussing, which is Essentialism um, mm-hmm. by, I want to say his name is Greg McKeown. And um, he talks about just priorities. And he says, if you don't set your own priorities, somebody or something else will. And, yeah. and that really resonated with me because I, you know, I, in, in, a, in a large sense, I grew up in a family that I feel like was dictated not by intentionality, but dictated by just the schedule we were trying to adhere yeah. to and the things we were trying to keep up with and the activities we were doing. And that is influential. That, that starts playing a role yeah. on shaping, shaping your kids. Um, and you don't see it overnight. You know, you see it over the course of, their entire kind of lifespan adding up and, and you don't see these things coming to fruition until later until really it's, I'm not gonna say it's too late, but it's just a harder obstacle to kind of tackle, Mm -hmm. you know, when they're in their teens or an adult or a young Mm -hmm. adult. So, um, so yeah, that really, uh, it really convicted me to kind of focus on that intentionality side and and start building, like you said, those, those rituals. I I actually use the word in my family a lot, uh, rhythm. Um, Mm -hmm. I think rhythm is such a, it's kind of abstract. Um, but, uh, you know, rhythm is kind of also has this other underlying uh, beat to it. That's kind of like the heart and the soul. If you think of music, right? Like yeah. that's the thing that kind of gets you moving. Uh, yeah. and, and, and I love that because, because rhythm is so fluid and it could change and, the, and its tempo could go faster, its tempo could slow down. Mm-hmm. Um, so your rhythm could change in different seasons of life. And so I'm always trying to think like, what's the rhythm of our family right now? Um, mm-hmm. And you, you can tell when it's out of whack. You know, you can feel when it's not fitting. Um, yeah. and you, you can feel when it needs to change or slow down or speed up. And, and that's fine. Rhythms can change. Yeah, definitely. So when I first saw your podcast, I immediately thought of the word legacy. And I don't know if you had that in mind, <laughs> but um, I'd love for you to just talk about um, what legacy means to you and leaving that for your children. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I've, I've never actually even used the word legacy quite yet. Um, it's, it's a pretty intimidating word, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, but I actually touched on it a little bit in my last episode of uh, Dear Kids Love Dad when I was um, talking about usage of time. Um, mm. And I I said, you know, I I actually believe legacy. I used to think it's what we left behind, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Whether it was a thought, a feeling, a thing, whatever it is. Uh, You see a lot of people try to achieve that with their work. I want to build something up that I can leave behind. Um, Or they try and do that with their wealth. I want to build up a wealth that I can leave behind. They think that's Mm -hmm. their their legacy. Um, But what I've really come to understand is legacy is not what we leave behind. It's actually who we send into the future. Mm. Um, And I think our best option, our best opportunity to do that is with our own family, with our own kids, especially. Um, and I think about even, I think about Jesus and I think about the miracles he performed. Those, those weren't even his legacy. You know, even the, even the cross itself wasn't his legacy. It's our salvation, but it's not his legacy. His legacy yeah. really was the 12 apostles and, you know, the others around him that he shepherded mm-hmm. and then sent out into the world to do his work after that, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, and it's the church that's been built on top of that um, since then. And that really is the legacy. That's what's, 
that storytelling, that narrative um, is what's lasted throughout, you know, the last two millennia. And so taking a, a note from that, like that is something where I want to be able to tell a good narrative to my kids, mm-hmm. um, whether that's through the life I live, the wisdoms I share with them, um, whatever it is. And, and that is, that's the strongest. I mean, you think about storytelling. Storytelling mm-hmm. is the, yeah. one of the oldest mediums, the oldest medium we have, right? And we can invent all these different tools that do it differently. We could have video, we could have tweets, we could have Instagram and stories and whatever it is. And all that is doing is replicating the medium of storytelling in a different capacity. And that's going to yeah. look different 50 years from now. It's going to look different 200 years from now. It'll keep changing with storytelling and good storytelling mm-hmm. actually remains the same. And so I think it's such a strong medium and a strong overall tool. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, in short, what I really want to do is, is to me, legacy is, um, you know, simply showing my kids uh, that a good narrative uh, imbues in them like a desire to, to mm-hmm. love God and to love others the way that God loves them. Um, and, and that's what I feel like legacy is. And it happens through them. You know, mm-hmm. they will be my legacy and their kids will be their legacy. And, um, you know, I've, I've really tried uh, especially in the last couple of years as, 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 I, as I had two boys and now three boys coming. Um, it, it makes you think about, man, like I, these, are, these are not just three boys. These are three unique families that'll be starting. And then they'll branch off to their own families, depending on how many mm-hmm. kids they have. Um, and I've really started thinking just multi-generational and mm-hmm. I want to make sure the stuff I'm doing is impacting them, their grandkids, their great grandkids and so forth um, in a way that I'll never see. And, yeah. and I'm, and I'm okay with that. And I think, you know, we live in a here and a now society where we like, we like to see the results. We like to see the fruit of our labor. Um, and I've just kind of accepted this idea. Like I'll see some of that, but hopefully I won't see most of it. Hopefully what I'm doing is so long, long lasting, um, yeah. through the relationships I have that I won't even see the fruits of my labor. Um, but you know, I could be confident in who I'm sending into the future as my legacy. Yeah. You know, you're right. Legacy is sort of a scary word. I, um, I, think yeah. I, thought, I thought of it a lot when my kids were like little, you know, when mm-hmm. I, well, I would say even maybe, probably before I had kids, you're like, legacy, we're getting married. We're gonna have kids. We're gonna have a family. And then like, yep. I was in the thick of it for years and I'm like, I just want to get some sleep. I just want to get yeah. people fed. I want to get them back to sleep. Like, yep. and, but I think that, um, you know, in the last couple of years, when we really started to understand the power of building culture is when I started to see that the legacy that I was creating was from all of the work that I had done in the previous years. And so mm-hmm. I had gotten a glimpse of it again and how much, um, yeah, just if I had, like, it's like, like you said, it's like that sort of that looking back when you realize, oh my gosh, this is what, well, what I have right now is, is a mm-hmm. product of everything that I've done in the past. And it sort of lit me up on fire. Um, thinking about my daughters that are we're teenagers now and, you know, saying how many summers do I have left with them and how many years do I have with them being, knowing that they're going to be living. Oh, it's, such, it's such a scary, scary thought. How many summers I do I have left? Is this, is that, that one, <laughs> that one does it. And I only, like I so said, my oldest is five, but I'm going like, I only have, yeah. 13 more summers with you, you know, like it just, and I know yeah. people are, they have, you know, high school kids like you and they say the same thing. They go, I have two more summers with my kid, yeah. you know? And, and, and I think that's also, you know, it's probably a glass half, half empty kind of approach because yeah. we have more, right. But, yeah. but, it, but as in that season we know of that we're comfortable in that we've enjoyed, you have two more, you know, but then yeah. you're going to experience, you're going to experience summers with them as adult children, you know, oh, and then, absolutely. and then eventually as married young adult children. And, and those, those have such beauty to them as well, you know? So, yeah. um, yeah, it's uh, Andy Stanley one time had a, a sermon that he said something great. And he said, you have to make decisions, um, with your future self in mind. And, mm-hmm. and that I, I think is, that takes so much foresight. Um, but to your point, we only really realize things in hindsight, you yeah. know? And so you kind of have to straddle those two worlds and understand, mm-hmm. like have that foresight to think about who you are in the future. I, I think about this all the time, actually looking back, I think of who I was when I was, you know, a 21 year old and I'm just about to get out of college. I'd been working for a while. I, I, I used to work in video production. I knew I wanted to get into uh, television film and I did. I had a career there for about eight or nine years. And then I switched out of that because I wasn't, I didn't have the foresight to think about the family I wanted to have one day mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and, I, and, and the commitment that takes and the time I wanted to spend with them. I didn't realize that till I had it. And then um, at that point I go, okay, well, my career doesn't line up well with the family I want to raise, you know, the time commitments, mm-hmm. a lot of passing ship type moments. Um, and, and I wanted to, I wanted to change that. And so I did, but I didn't realize that till I was in the moment. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's part of the reason I'm doing this podcast too, is like, how can I, as best as I can, cause you can't, uh, prevent things for your children, mm-hmm. but like, how can I just prepare them for things yeah. that they don't have the, 
they don't have the hindsight yet where I do. Right. And, and there's a balance there. You don't want to be the parent who's like instructing all the time, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, that's definitely not what I want to do. It's more so just here are the few things I've learned and gleaned and learned from others and learned mm-hmm. from my own experience. And you can apply this to your life probably in a totally different way than I will. And you'll also probably evolve on this. You'll learn something that I didn't mm-hmm. experience, you know? And so keeping yeah. that, keeping it open enough there where they can actually add to that wisdom is something that's important to me as well. Yeah. yeah we're definitely in the advising and coaching phase. Like yeah. I feel like when my daughter's turn 13 and my son's only, tw- he'll be 12 soon. Um, I've sort of switched. I learned, I heard somewhere to switch roles and to sort of like give them the information that they need and start letting them make decisions while they're still Mm -hmm. under your your own roof and start start letting them make decisions when if they don't get it right, you're still there for them. And um, yeah, it it definitely changes. And I think that one of my biggest aha moments was thinking, have I equipped them enough? So what is it that they still haven't learned yet? So I've been really intentional in the last year saying, okay, I want to be strategic about talking to my kids about certain topics and not just waiting for them to come up. Yep. So how do I do that? So like you're creating a podcast, I grabbed a book, you know, and we go chapter by chapter each week. I read with the girls. They're like, really mom, do we have to talk about this? (laughs) Yes, we have to talk about this. It's your turn to read. Um, But just being sort of like intentional with with rolling out that wisdom and with her, you know, the things we've experienced and, and just keep giving them what they need so that they can, they can become the, the adults. Yeah. I'm, I'm just start. I'm just starting to see it with a five-year-old. You've probably seen it more with a teenager, but I, I love when you see your kid act in a certain way that mm-hmm. is everything you've invested in them. And they oh, do yeah. it, they do it out of sight, out of mind. Like they do it on their own in a, or somebody, a teacher, a, uh, another parent mm-hmm. says, you know, your, your son or daughter did this. And it's, and you're like, wow, that's exactly how <laughs> I hoped they would react. Like they were warm or loving or kind yeah. or friendly or whatever it was. Yeah. And they did it without you hovering over them to make sure yeah. they did it. And that's one of the best feelings. Um, somebody told me once, one time they said, uh, when your child gets older, uh, you go from being a manager to a consultant. And yeah. I thought, I was like, that is such a great practical way to look at it. You know, yeah. it's like, here I am hovering over you, making sure you're doing your job right. Um, but at some point I transition and yeah. I'm here when you need me, you know, mm-hmm. call, call me in for when you need me to help you out in the, in the way you need me to help out. And I'm not yeah. going to overstep my boundaries because I'm just consulting at this point. And, yeah. and that's, and, it's, and that's super valuable as well. Yeah. So what are the, some of the topics that you're going to be touching on in upcoming episodes? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, like I said, I recorded a bunch. I have like a little, not a bunch, but I have a good amount of a little library built up. So I'm just kind of like rolling them out. I want to get to the point where I could do one actually every weekday. Uh, Mm -hmm. My goal, you mentioned, you mentioned a book. My goal is actually, I want to get 365 of these together and almost do not a devotional sense, but in that Mm -hmm. same style, like a daily devotional of these wisdoms Mm -hmm. and and hopefully bind them in a book and give them my kids. Uh, And again, like my, my whole idea is just just for them. Like they're my audience. Like I'm serving mm-hmm. literally just three people. Um, so it'll be interesting. You know, I, I've had a few more people li- listening to this as I've done the first three episodes. And it's interesting to hear other people like talking about it with me because again, I'm <laughs> selfishly, I'm not thinking about them at all. I'm only thinking about my kids. So it's kind of fun to, to, to do that and kind of see where it goes and takes the pressure off. Um, some of the other episodes I have. So uh, coming up more immediately, uh, I have the order in which you should love your family, um, mm-hmm. which uh, I recorded and I actually might re-record and, and, and bring my, and well, mainly because I'm going to bring my wife into it um, and, and have her speak on that one because uh, a big part of that is loving your spouse second and loving God first. Mm-hmm. And then, and then also, you know, our, in our family, what we do is the priority is love God the most, love your wife the sec- second, and then love your kids. Um, and then, you know, friends and family and love uh-huh. them after that, but that's the priority. It's God, wife, um, or, you know, spouse yeah. and, and, and children. Uh, the reason being is because everything flows from the top. You know, um, I, I played sports growing up, so I use a lot of sports references. But, you know, if a team is playing bad, they don't, they don't get rid of their superstar. They get rid of the coach. You know, like mm-hmm. everything flows from the top. A good coach makes a good team and, and mm-hmm. so on. So, you know, God is the inventor of love. Like, why would I not go to him to learn how to love? Mm-hmm. Um, he will make me love the best. Therefore, I can love my spouse better because of that. Well, I think the best thing you could show kids is a good loving, you know, marriage between a husband and a wife and they learn from that. And so loving her the best will make it so they understand what love is and I can let, we can love them better. So it just all trickles down from the top. Um, it's a short way of putting it. So that one, but I do think it's nice to have my wife's voice in, yeah. in there instead of a, instead of a guy just saying like, yeah, you know, 
love your wife second. It just it might come off the wrong way. So getting her involved in that. Um, and, and, and she feels the same way. She loves me second and I love being the, the second most important thing in her life. Um, uh, I also have a parent should also uh, should always pursue their kids. Uh, you know, I see this one is interesting to me because I see a lot of um, I've seen a lot of relationships with parents and kids. And as the kids get older, the parents take a step back, which, mm -hmm. which like we talked about, yes, you know, you need to switch from manager to consultant and give that space and give that leeway to allow your kid to succeed and fail on their own. Um, but I've also seen it where parents kind of check out because of that and they kind of forget that they're a parent. And I believe you're a parent the rest of your life. Um, mm -hmm. And so the pursuit of your kids just looks differently. You know, it, yeah. it looks different from when they're three to when they're 30 and they're married and they have their own kids. You're still pursuing your kid, but you're doing it in a totally different way. And I, mm -hmm. and I think that takes, it's a very hard change. It's a very, you know, I haven't experienced it yet um, personally, but it's a very hard change. I think it takes a lot of mm -hmm. grace and a lot of elegance. Um, but you know, it's again, looking to the relationship you have with, with God, like he's mm -hmm. the, he's the ultimate father and he always pursues, he never yeah. sits there and, you know, we should pursue him too, but like we could be out in the wilderness, never looking for him and he's still coming for us. Yeah. So, you know, I think a parent should reflect that and do the same thing. Well, um, I have, I have had experience with that. So I think that your point is so good. You know, like there was, a I'll, bring, I'll bring you in on that one. I need some yeah, help. Yeah. Then, so. <laughs> right. Um, I definitely felt like, um, at, you know, with my teens, I can't, I can't believe I'm a mom of teenagers. But um, mm -hmm. when I started to see my oldest pull away, like not in a, in a bad rebellious sort of way, but just sort of Nat naturally and, and yeah. waiting. And um, I kind of like started stepping back, like with the physical affection, because I felt like she was going through a phase where she's like, oh, you don't have to kiss me all the time. Yeah. But I realized I had to decide who I wanted to be as a parent. And then that wasn't going to change based mm -hmm. on what she was going through. So I definitely was aware of the changes that she was going through, but I continued to pursue her and love on her mm -hmm. the way I, what kind of parent I wanted to be. And it didn't take long for her to come back, kind of circle back. And it, it, you know, and it was like, we never skipped a beat. It's, it's almost like when your, your child wants to give up naps and you're like, no, 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 <laughs> you still need to go into your room, yeah. into the crib. And we're just going to keep maintaining this time. And then all you're of a miserable without them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. like a month later, they're like sound asleep. So you're like, yes, like yeah. I kept at it. I did it. I'm going to continue to do what's best for you and love on you. Yeah. And, um, but then, but also be flexible. Like you said earlier, when we were talking, bend, like yeah. what, what needs to change, but then what is going to remain the same because this is our compass. Yeah. I've, I've seen it a lot with, um, and I think it's the season I'm in cause I've seen in the last 10 years, it's like get married, have kids. That's my, that's my story. That's story mm -hmm. of my friends where I'm at. You know, you just see, you see parents become, uh, parents of married adult kids and then parents of married adult kids who have their own kids and their grandparents. Mm -hmm. And I've seen just some parents struggle moving into that. They've, they've struggled moving yeah. into that phase and not understanding how do I still be a parent to a, to a grown adult child who has mm -hmm. a husband, a wife of their own and kids of their own. Um, mm -hmm. Because again, you're still a parent, you know, that never changes. Um, yeah. But just the way, again, it's that relationship. It looks, it looks differently. It feels differently and you, and you pursue it differently, but the pursuit mm -hmm. can never stop. Um, yeah. A couple other, and not, not to make every one of my topics too heavy. So I do have a couple light ones <laughs> as well, um, but a lot of them are, are, are relational. You know, that's kind of how they, they start. I think relationship is just, the most important thing that we're going to experience in our life, you know, mm -hmm. with family or friends or loved ones, but some are a little less, a um, little less heavy. So I do have, uh, you should hunt and eat an animal at least once in your life. I think that's a very <laughs> uh, important, valuable lesson. I'm not an avid hunter, but I, I hunt every so often. Uh, mm -hmm. I married, I married into a family of avid hunters. Um, so I kind of just started taking it on. Yeah, uh, well, and it's a your Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's a, and it's a blast and it's, it's so much fun. And, you know, I only really hunt what I, what I will eat. So mm -hmm. I don't go do big game stuff. I have no, I, you know, no, no desire to trophy hunt. Like if I shoot mm -hmm. something and I kill an animal, I'm going to use the animal. I want to mm -hmm. eat it. I want to use it the best I can. And I, and as I started doing that, and experienced that because I, I grew up in a family that didn't hunt at all. Actually, mm -hmm. uh, we had cousins who did, and we all it was they were always looked at as like oh, oh the cousins <laughs> who hunt, you know, and like oh no. Um, as I started doing it, I have now such more an appreciation for the food I eat and for mm. um, you know I go to the you go to the grocery store and I was tell this to my wife the other day we were making a chicken dish for a bunch of friends and so we got like eight breasts of chicken and I go hey uh, hunt do you know how many like chickens that is? 
you know? She's like, well, yeah, eight breasts. I guess that's four chicken. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's her four lives. You know, like, those are like, like, <laughs> you, like you don't get, you don't actually get that much meat from when you slaughter a chicken or when you, uh-huh. you know, um, and, and people don't think that we just see all this meat mm-hmm. out, you know, at, at, at places. So look, I have no problem if someone is saying they're a, uh, you know, a vegetarian and because they love animals and therefore they don't mm-hmm. eat meat. I think that's awesome. Like you love animals that much that you choose not to eat meat. That's fantastic. Like you're sticking mm-hmm. to your guns. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but if you do eat meat, I think it's good to be responsible and understand yeah. where it comes from. And it, like I said, it just gives you this appreciation for nature and appreciation for it. And, you know, then you see how animals are, or farm animals are butchered and stuff these days and, 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 uh, and brought to our stores. And there's a lot of great movements for better experiences for, for farm animals. Um, mm-hmm. But for the most part, it's still, it's still really bad. And, you know, uh, the, the, the animals that I've hunted have lived and died better lives than um, most that were raised to be food, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, so it's just one of those things I think gives you an appreciation of nature, which I think is really important. And then the other one I have, because I have boys, this one's very specific to them, uh, but always get your haircut at a barbershop. Um, oh. <laughs> I, I, I've just, I've always, I, I had a season where I was just going to like super cuts and doing that thing. Okay. Um, and then, cause there was no good barbershop actually in the area where I lived and you know, you don't want to travel too far to get your haircut. Mm-hmm. But then a barbershop recently opened up nearby us, um, like two years ago classic old school barbershop, yeah. straight Amazing razor, experience. yeah, tapered, yeah. you know, it's not a 20 minute haircut in and out. They're not trying to rush you. I think when I sit down in the chair, the haircut could take 20 to 30 minutes, yeah. but they, but they spend over an hour, you know, we're talking. And, um, what it really is about is just that male camaraderie and that and time together and, and, and the ritual of it, you know, but yeah. I really think it's important that men spend time with men and women mm. spend time with women. You know, mm. I think there's such a sharpening that happens there and encouragement that, you know, as much as I love my wife, as much as she loves me, we encourage each other in, in a really great understanding way. And I try to be empathetic to her as a woman and she tries to be empathetic to me as a man. But, um, I will never understand her as a woman, you know, like holistically. <laughs> and she will never understand me. She will never understand me as a man. And so, you know, it's important. You know, it's kind of tongue in cheek about a barbershop. You can go to a barbershop and, and meet a lot of rude, crude guys. Yeah. But, um, you know, the idea is just, hey, like get around other men, you know, let other men sharpen you and, mm. and vice versa. Um, and you know what's great? I was sitting there with my barber there uh, the first time I went in there a couple times. And I liked this one guy, and I was just drawn to him. I could, I liked the way he cut my hair. I liked the conversation we had, and uh, sure enough, you know, he goes, "Hey, I have a couple tattoos on me. One says Romans twelve two, and, mm-hmm. and one's in Hebrew. It's uh, Psalm thirty four. And anyways, he goes, "Hey, I know your tattoos. Like, are, are you a believer?" And I go, "Yeah." And he goes, "Yeah, me too." And then we started chatting about that. And then you know, now my barbershop experience is almost like church for me. Yeah. You know, like we go there, we have great conversations, and and then there's someone always sitting there. There's older guy there's a younger kid there's such different age ranges and you can glean and learn from so many different walks of life and anyways i I just think a barbershop is such a great environment uh in a lot of different ways and there's other environments too but the main point is you know find something that's male centric that you can kind of get around other men and, and and sharpen each other and you know i would say the same thing for for daughters or for women too like find something that's you know mostly women and mostly around other women that you can like glean and learn from each other and and just mm-hmm. to just to have a better sense of empathy for each other because there are there are huge differences we have my wife is pregnant right now i have no idea what she's feeling physically you know i mean she's she's i I, i've seen it two times before now so i kind of get it but you know when she sits there and last night all of a sudden she went from having a ton of energy to being just tired in like two seconds and i go are are you okay i just saw it in her in her eyes you know and i (laughs) i immediately said go sit down relax I don't know what you're feeling. I don't know why you're feeling it, but just go sit down and relax and let me do all the dishes and let me do mm-hmm. all that stuff. Um, so I think that empathy is just, you know, when you can be around, you know, your, your fellow women, your fellow man, like you experience it a little bit differently than, yeah. you know, so. Yeah. But yeah, so those are a few I have. Uh, and then just a lot more. And I also want to have um, some other parents on. I actually, once I start getting comfortable <laughs> with, yeah. with kind of what the format is, uh, you know, like I, I, like I said, this has been a learning uh, a learning curve for me as well, because I'm kind of challenging myself to think about what wisdoms do I want? I'm being intentional about thinking, what do I want to pass down? Yeah. Um, part of that though is still learning. You know, I, I think if you stop, when you stop learning, that's when you, you might as well just call it quits on life. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I definitely yeah. want to have other parents on and kind of learn from them and, and their experience and their wisdom. Hey there, did you know every family is known for something? What do you want your family to be known for? Download our free family culture discussion sheet. In just 30 minutes, you'll explore who you are as a family and discover who you want to become together. 
Go to www.thefamilycultureproject.com and start living a life of purpose with the ones you love today. Be sure to type in the, T-H-E, familycultureproject.com for the free download. So you mentioned um, taking everything you've done and sort of bundling up for for your kids, which is Mm -hmm. amazing with what podcasting and blogging allows us to do nowadays. Like, you know, you can get all of your blog writings in a book. You can get, you know, your podcasts put on, on, you know, hold and pass them down forever. Um, But in terms of like non-technology stuff, what are some other things that you and your wife are doing to instill your values and beliefs into your children? Yeah. And you know, something we talked about a lot before we started recording, which was um, just intentionality. That's been huge for us. And so our motto actually for 2019 is, is be intentional. That's something mm-hmm. that that's the, that's the pursuit we want to have. And it's not a goal because if you set a goal, you're just not going to hit it. <laughs> and, yeah. and even if you hit 95% of your goal, you know, your resolution for the new year, you feel like you failed. Um, so it's just our, it's just our pursuit. It's kind of our end game. Um, um, and so we always sit there and we like, we're, we're being so intentional that we're stopping even very small, minute kind of decisions. And we're going, Hey, if we say yes to this, or if we say no to this, what is it saying about us? Um, what does it say about, what does it say about God too? What does it say about our relationship with mm-hmm. him? Like, and so we're being very intentional in that. Um, one of the ways, uh, that we're doing that is just, you know, we, we really value table time. Uh, we, we love the dinner table. We think it's a tabernacle that's inside your home. Um, it's a place of, it's a place of comfort, uh, and it's a place of connection. Um, and it's a place of vulnerability. I think that's actually a huge one. Um, you know, anytime, I think that's why such good conversations. And again, you look at the life of Jesus, so much good stuff happened around a meal. You know, he was always feeding or eating or, and with, with his followers and with Pharisees, like from both ends of the spectrum, he had, he had everybody around him and, um, food and that, that dining experience, uh, can be such a comfortable situation that it it allows vulnerability to happen and allows great conversations to happen. So that's an area that we definitely want to be intentional with our family and kind of start creating those rhythms. And we've done that by, uh, we've kind of instilled uh, a Shabbat once a week that we do. Uh, it used to be on Sundays. Uh, and then we had <laughs> to switch it to Saturdays cause we started doing basketball on Sundays, but one night of the week is, is Shabbat for us. In fact, the whole day is Shabbat. It's where we kind of like shut down, turn things mm-hmm. off and just focus on inward connection. Um, we don't make it so you have to sit around and just rest all day. That's not the point, really. It's more so, hey, like, what are the things we do regularly, regularly during the week that might, you know, be a part of our schedule or our chores? Um, those are the things we're not doing. So, mm-hmm. you know, if, if we want to spend our Shabbat, like, building a project in the backyard because it's something special that we haven't done and we wanted to do it, like, it's work, but that's great. It's good work. It's something different and outside mm-hmm. the norm. As long as it yeah. is all of us, like, we're all together doing it together uh, or we take a day trip somewhere or whatever it is. But it always concludes with a dinner. Um, and we always have a Shabbat dinner. I pull out a, um, we have a, uh, a special candle we light just for that day that just to us represents the light of Jesus. We, we, we light that. We know it's the Shabbat candle. Our kids know it's a Shabbat candle. So we have mm-hmm. that. We have another candle we light that actually is a scent. Um, and we, we, we only light it on Shabbat and um, it makes the house smell a certain way. So that, that, um, that, Ooh, scent, like that. that scent, that sense of smell just like registers. Oops. That, um, that sense of smell just like registers with our kids and, and signifies this is a special day. Um, we have a unique uh, tablecloth we pull out. Like we just do small things to kind of let, let, make it feel a little bit special. Uh, yeah. and, then, and then, you know, we always, we always pray a lot, but we, but we make sure we say a special prayer and blessing for our kids that night. So we try and make the night feel a little special, but also it's not over the top special. Like we have friends over to, to join us sometimes and we still keep it intact. Um, mm-hmm. We're not making some fancy dinner. Like we might just make nachos and call it a day or order a yeah. pizza. It, it doesn't really matter, you know, and that'll change through the seasons and stuff. So we do that. Um, and then another thing we do around the table actually is we have a jar. Uh, it's a Mason jar and I dumped a bunch of questions in it. Me and my wife every kind of month sit there and think of 30 questions and we write them and we put them in there. Um, and we pull them out every, every night, Shabbat or not, just every dinner. Um, Mm -hmm. and we read a question and we just call it the question game. My oldest son now, like we sit down at the table in the first five seconds and he's like, question, let's go, let's go question game. So, So he's excited for it. And it's a mix of super lighthearted questions. Uh, sometimes it says, who's your favorite fictional character or from a story and why? Um, and then there's some deeper ones where, you know, at least deep enough as you can get with a five-year-old. And it says like, 
what's something that makes you sad and why, you know, like it's not always a positive conversation. We want, we want, we want to just expose them to that idea mm-hmm. of vulnerability and, yeah. and also being comfortable talking about that. So mixing it up, you know, not knowing what kind of question you're going to get out of there makes it a lot of fun. Um, and he looks forward to it and he gives such great answers now. And even our two and a half year old starting to give <laughs> some really good answers, which is fun. So Aww. it's, it's, it's fun to see that kind of play out. Um, but again, it's, it's, if I don't want to say forces, it encourages that, um, that connection. It also makes the dinner table a special place, which is valuable to us. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's something that we just kind of, that aligns our values, aligns our beliefs. We think so much could extrapolate out from the dinner table and the conversations we have there. Um, and we want to make that valuable. I want to make it so when they're 16, like they're like, Hey, I got to get home. I can't wait to go have dinner with my family. Like, you know, it's mm-hmm. a loving, warm, open experience. And, and I hope they invite people into that. I hope they invite their own friends into that, other families into that. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we, we talked about, again, off air a little bit about, we love being hospitable. We love having once a week, we have somebody over. Um, my wife just went to the grocery store now with the kids and we were making a list and I go, cool, which night is the night someone's coming over and who is it? You know? And we, yeah. We, we like both of us were on our phones, like making our grocery list, but also texting different families. Like, mm-hmm. Hey, what are you guys doing this week? What's the night you're free? Um, mm-hmm. So I think we actually, I think it's going to be tonight. Actually. I think someone's like tonight. I'm like, great. Come on. over. <laughs> so we're planning for that. So yeah, those, those are ways. And, and it's beautiful to see that play out where the kids get excited for it. You know, you can start seeing, okay, this is actually taking, taking a root now, like in your fibers, yeah. right? Like you love talking and engaging at the table. You, uh, they ask all the time who's coming over for dinner. So they love that, hospi- that being hospitable and having people over and making mm-hmm. their home, you know, welcome and open. So it's, it's awesome to see that play out. And, and I'm sure you've, you know, you've gotten to see that yeah. tenfold having, you know, uh, a little bit older children. Yeah. Yeah. It's those little things in the everyday that we consistently do that really make a big difference. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're going to wrap up and I'm going to ask you, what practical advice would you give listeners who might be saying, I love what you're doing, but I don't know where to start when it comes to intentionally passing these things down to my kids. Yeah. Don't my, my advice part of that would be don't be, yourself up over it because uh, I feel like it took me years to <laughs> figure, out, to figure <laughs> out just this, you know, like yeah. just, like, oh, and it's so, when you start doing it, it's, it's so simple. So I, I would say it ends up being that it's, it's, and you kind of touched on this earlier. It's be proactive, just mm-hmm. start doing something, you know, and I'm sure what I'm doing now will change like tenfold over the next few years. You know, I don't think I'll be recording a podcast forever. I think I'll, maybe I'll start writing them down or maybe, you know, who knows what it is. Um, and, and, and so just start doing something and be proactive. And you mentioned this earlier too, and I thought it was wonderful, which is, um, don't wait for the opportunity. I think we sit in a culture where we sit back and we wait for something to happen to be a learning lesson. And Mm -hmm. then, and then we teach, right. And then we instruct and then we advise, don't do that. Like be proactive with it. And that's not to, prevent it from happening. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's, that's possible. You know, kids are, they're explorers by nature. They're going to, exp- they're going to try things out and, and, and fail and, and succeed. And we just kind of got to let that happen, but you can prepare them the best you can. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you could, you know, pass that wisdom down to them. So whether it's through, you know, uh, instilling, uh, a moment in the week when you have a one-on-one, like take, make it fun too, right? Like go, grab your kid, one-on-one time. If you have one kid, do with one. If you have three kids, make sure you do one-on-one with each of them. Take them out to lunch once a week. Take them out to dinner once a week. Like go get coffee. It doesn't need to be anything big, you know, like keep it simple, but just have a one-on-one time with them. Um, And it might, you know, depending on your relationship, it might be awkward or quiet or weird, or you don't know where it's going in the first few ones. Um, Mm -hmm. But eventually it'll start feeling comfortable. It'll be a comfortable space that they can start talking to you. Um, and, and really just being able to engage in conversation, you'll be surprised how much stuff starts flowing out yeah. as, a, as a parent that are, you know, your kids are always learning. Like they mm-hmm. you, you have eyes on you all the time. Everything you say is actually a learning lesson to them, um, which is the scariest thing about being yeah. a parent. Um, oh, yeah. but, but everything you're doing is a constant, you know, they're, I, I, my friend's having his first kid and, and he's, he's, uh, he's kind of freaking out a little bit. And uh, I said, you know, what's, scary but cool i go your kid comes out and knows absolutely nothing they literally don't even know how to breathe i mean the doctors have to spur them on to get that first Mm -hmm. going. you know you have to teach them how to eat you know i i recently just taught my son how to uh, he's doing his bike riding now with no training wheels on a real bike and the first time we went out i was like kicking myself because i'm going man i I don't really know how to teach her to ride a bike. It's just second nature. You know, I have to break it down to really simplistic terms to think like, mm-hmm. okay, this is how you feel balanced. And this, you know, um, so, but, but the fact that we had that one-on-one time, it allowed me the space 
it allowed me uh, the, the kind of the, the slowness to think, okay, like how do I explain this to you? And I, and it was, I was able to get very intentional with what I was saying to him. Um, so be proactive, set up those environments and those spaces where you can have that one-on-one time with them, where you can really hear yourself think. We live in a noisy, noisy mm-hmm. world. Yeah. Uh, and you need to kind of hear yourself think. And, um, and, and the other part of that too is, you know, this is the, the fine balance of being instructive versus, um, you know, being kind of like that helicopter parent, I guess they would say. But, you know, you don't also want to be the person who's constantly instructing, you know, no, mm-hmm. nobody, again, they're naturally learning from us anyways. So it doesn't need to be like a strict lesson plan every time you speak to them. Um, yeah. So, you know, really find that balance of not being too instructive. Um, and what I actually say is be restorative rather than being res- instructive. So like mm-hmm. my job Good. really is not to hammer them over the head with a lesson. Like they're going to get a lesson. And, and, and especially if kids do something wrong, you can see it. Oh man, like you can, like they immediately read body language, reactions, whatever. And you can, you can see them feel ashamed or embarrassed or sad or whatever it is when they do something wrong. So like we don't need to add to that. Like our job in that situation, especially is just to clearly state what happened so they know what you know transpired um, mm-hmm. and then restore them you know make them feel yeah. loved again make them feel like you know it's it's okay and and um you know and then same thing with with good stuff when they feel good about something like let's talk about why it feels good so you understand why it feels good so mm-hmm. you can replicate that so you can do it again you know yeah. and, and you can encourage it um and really all all of this is you know it's just kind of establishing to look at it from a very i guess uh, scientific kind of data way, like it's really establishing just a really strong emotional IQ with the kids, you know, and, and, and that's something that I really want. Um, that's something I really want within my kids is, you know, I want them to be people who love God and pursue God and then learn love from him so they can love others in a godly way. Like that's, that's mm-hmm. number, number one for me and my wife. But I would say close number two to that is I really want my kids to um, have a deep understanding of, of themselves and a deep understanding of their uniqueness, yeah. uh, their strengths, their weaknesses, their, their originality, everything. And then be confident and comfortable with that because mm. that is the, the imperfectly perfect way that God made them. And so mm-hmm. I want them to really be comfortable with that. Um, and you, you can see that in the kids who have that and the adults who have that, just the people who have that, you can feel it, it radiates. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I really want to uh, establish that for my kids and, and have that be in their heart, you know, not have that be determined by someone or something else or by culture or by society, yeah. but it really comes from within and from the, the, it really comes from the creator who made them, you know, and the mm-hmm. love that they had for them. So, um, so yeah, so, so be, be proactive to, to build that up. Uh, and then I would say the last part of all that too is just be, uh, be a humble parent. Um, and by humble parent, I mean, one of the ways I look at my kids is very much as a gift. I don't look at them as my own. Um, and a lot of people, I think, you know, you, especially it's probably, it's might even be, I'm assuming here, this might even be harder for a woman because, you know, you literally give, you literally go through labor, you birth, you birth. Yeah. So, so it's kind of easy to, to it's, it's easy as a parent to fall into the trap of ownership of your kids, you know? Mm, um, yeah. and, uh, and culture encourages that too. It encourages this, this concept of ownership and responsibility over your kids. And, and you have a responsibility towards your kids and for your kids, but not over your kids. Mm-hmm. You know, you, they aren't your ownership. I, I, I look at my kids as very much as a gift. They're a gift from God and he calls them his sons. And he says, hey, I got a cool uh, blessing and gift for you. I'm going to give them to you. They're on loan. You get to have them for a little while while you're on yep. earth. Congratulations. Um, <laughs> and, and you get to call them son as well. And I think that's like, when, it, when I think about that, like what a wonderful gift um, that is. I, I tell this story often when I had my first son um, and my second. It happened both times. And I'm, I'm like really excited for my third to come along because I'm hoping like, man, this, this thing's going to, this feeling's going to hit me again. But um, I, I was like just sobbing and crying and not because people assume like, oh, is it because you saw your, your kid and you love them so much and you're overwhelmed? <laughs> and I, I said, I mean, I, yeah, I saw them and I love them, but no, that wasn't why I was crying. I go, the reason that why I was crying was because I personally have never felt so loved. You know, it wasn't that mm-hmm. I was, I loved them so much. I was feeling loved. Um, because like who, I don't deserve this. Who would give me such a wonderful gift, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that only comes from God. And so I, I, uh, I, I've, that really changed my mindset of just how I view my kids. And when you look at them as a gift, all of a sudden you appreciate them 10 times more, you know, you mm-hmm. go like, okay, like I got, I got to take care of them and I got to make sure I'm loving on them. Cause this is a gift someone gave to me lovingly. And I'm so appreciative of that. Uh, and it really just humbles you. It makes you realize like, I am not, 
lording over you, you know, like we, we, we have a Lord, I'm, I'm not your Lord. Um, and so all I need to do is, is love on you the way he loves us, take his example. Um, and I'm, as much as I'm going to teach and instruct and advise you as you grow and become a kid and then a teen and then an adult, I'm also simultaneously growing with you in parallel as a parent. So we're both growing. Yeah. And we're both learning. Um, we're just in two different seasons and two different stages. And so that really just makes it, it makes, it takes a lot of pressure off as a parent, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, it also takes a lot of pressure off them. They don't need to live up to being the most important thing in your life and like living mm-hmm. on a pedestal. Um, and it's humbling. And so I think when you're proactive and you're humbling, now you are becoming a parent that is very um, accessible to your kids and they will reach out to you. They will be comfortable talking to you. Um, And that doesn't happen overnight. It happens Mm -hmm. over the course of a lifetime. Uh, And so just keep exercising it. And I I think that's the way to do it. I don't know if that was practical enough of advice. but I, think the, but I think those are just two mindsets to think. I, I, I try to stay away from practical advice just because people are, everyone has their own um, situation, you know, mm-hmm. and, and their own mm-hmm. thing that they, that, they can, that they can do, whether afford to do, whether it's with their time or their schedule or whatever it is. And so mm-hmm. I always try and stay away from the practical and more so just like, what is, the, what is the feeling you're getting out of this? What's the motive behind it? You know, and so like if the catalyst is being proactive, great. Um, and if the mindset is humility, uh, then, then I think you're in a great spot. So if that manifests itself as one-on-one lunches, cause you can do that. Or mm-hmm. if it you know, manifests itself as I always try and do, um, I try and do a one, one-on-one like overnight trip with my kids every year. Um, and, and that's been, it's such a fun time of connection to be honest. And it's, and, and we probably do more than one a year, but like there's one intentional one a yeah. year that we're like, this is dad and, and son time. Um, and, uh, it's going to get harder to do as we have three, probably, you know, cause You'll this do is, it. Yep. but I'll figure it out. Um, but again, you know, to me, that's, that's the practical execution of it, but really the, the idea is being proactive, creating a space where we, you know, tune out the noise and it's just us. Um, and it opens things up. Um, it could be a car drive, you know, people I think get in their car and they turn the radio on or like parents see it as a time where the kid's strapped in the car and cool. Like I don't have to worry about them. So I could like make these phone calls mm-hmm. or something else. And it's like, no, like you, yeah. you literally have your kid locked in a car. Yeah. They, they have to listen to you. Yeah. Like what an opportunity. Said, yep. to, Captive you know, audience. Yeah. You know, was, it's like, <laughs> My son would be like, can you roll the window down? I'm like, no, because you're going to pay attention to what I'm saying. Like, we're going to connect. Like, I don't want you looking at me. <laughs> yeah. I'll roll the window down for him. But like, like yeah, like, it's such an awesome opportunity. So, you know. I we, used- we have a new rule, no phones. Like, you can't be on your phone in the car. I love Not, that. Because there's, that's what was happening is that yeah. was we would instantly go to the phone to check, to do. And I'm like, no, we're yeah. all in a car. We're yeah. all engaged. Put it away. You don't need Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I, we, we, uh, we live in Northern California, so we would make um, – <clears throat> a lot of trips to Disneyland, especially we, we got in the last couple of years, we got a few season passes. And so it was like, well, you know, like we're close, like let's go. And especially when the kids are so young and they're not in school, you feel like, Oh, like we can go on a Wednesday, you know, like yeah. let's go. And so, um, so we did a lot of trips down there and I used to be, I used to have the mindset of like, Oh gosh, this drive. If you're, if you live in California, you've ever been here, there's the highway five and it is straight long, and flat and boring mm-hmm. and there's nothing mm-hmm. around it's in the central valley and it's just like five straight mm-hmm. hours of that until you kind of get into some you know interesting driving uh into la which is interesting <laughs> yeah. but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but it's, it's it's long and it's boring and uh if it's just you know when me and my wife would go down to la we'd always fly before it's a cheap flight southwest airlines mm-hmm. and then you have a kid and then you have two kids and it becomes mm-hmm. a, a little less not so cheap and so mm-hmm. i was like okay let's start driving and man, I love the drives. They are just, you know, it's not, you know, six hours straight of talking, but there are just such fun moments where we stop or whatever and conversation that happens because there's nothing else to do, you know, like, no, like you said, get rid of those phones and like, let's chat. So, you know, take a nap, get rested. And then when you wake up, like we're going to talk and we're going to connect. And, uh, and those, the drives became, the drive home, not so much. I was pretty tired at that point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you the drive there, you got, you got all the enthusiasm. Oh, the best type of trip is the one where if you, if you could drive there and somehow just leave your car and then fly home. That would, for any trip. That would <laughs> no, but um, yeah, it's, uh, it, the, those moments are great. So yeah, proactive, be humble, and you know, don't, don't beat yourself up about trying to make it as over-the-top creative or whatever. Like It could be in simple everyday moments. Just find, find those moments to, to utilize. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. Well, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. I've loved it. Looking forward to the upcoming episodes of your podcast. 
I appreciate it. Yeah, every, every right now it's every Wednesday. Um, but again, I'm hoping to hoping to do it five days a week somehow. I, I have I'm afraid to commit to it now because I have them recorded and I could do it and it would last for like I don't know three or four weeks. Yeah, and then I would go. Oh, do I still have enough now? Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not, it's hard to keep up, um, as you would know. But yeah, yeah. But thank you so much. I really appreciate you having uh, having me on and love. I just love talking about family and and. Uh, you know, the culture around it and building that. And, you know, I, I always, I always kind of say to people, like, if we were, I think I tweeted this out the other day or something, if we were as intentional with our family as we are in pretty much everything else we pursue in life, mm-hmm. um, I feel like not only will we have healthier families, we'll have a healthier culture, a healthier society. I think, yeah. I, think fam- I think family is the strongest, most influential unit in society. Mm-hmm. And uh, the thing is, we just play out, it, we see it play out generationally. You know, when one generation takes a huge misstep uh, on family, it manifests itself in the next generation. And then, it, you know, it could, it could snowball after that. But vice versa, if one generation nails it, and if one generation is doing a great job and building on it, it snowballs into something bigger and better and greater mm-hmm. for the following generations. And so, you know, we just have to have that foresight and think that way. Um, but, you know, I, I just... Think about career, you know, and we are so intentional about our career. We're so intentional about this is this is how I want to build my career and this is where I want to work and this is what I want to do and these are the things I need to do to get to that place. If we just took that same mindset and same approach and applied it to family, mm-hmm. yeah. it, it it would be uh it would be a revolution, you know, like it would be it would just it would change the dynamic of, of, of everything, of our culture, of our the fabric of our society, everything. Um, and so so, you know, we minimize family, but it really shouldn't be. It should be maximized. Um, yeah. And so I just encourage, that's the main thing. If you're listening to my podcast, I think the same thing if people are listening to your podcast. I just hope that's the main thing people get out of it is that I hope they, the takeaway isn't so much necessarily, oh, that's a great specific wisdom. I'm going to apply that. It's more so just, I really should be more intentional about my family and the health of them, the direction of them. Mm-hmm. And, and by family, I mean, not only just this immediate group of you know, husband, wife, and sons and daughters, but also their kids and their kids' kids and the generations that follow. Like, how can we just be more intentional about fostering that to to be a better contribution to the world? So. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. All right, thanks. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. The Dear Kids Love Dad podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. You can find Darren as Darren Braz on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and the Dear Kids Love Dad podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as Dear Kids Love Dad. We'll link to all of this in the show notes. If you've been enjoying the show, we'd like to ask you for a favor. Would you be willing to leave a short review in iTunes? We're passionate about helping families thrive and reviews help families find us. We really appreciate your support. Remember, family culture is not about perfect. It's about purpose. To learn more about the Family Culture Project, go to thefamilycultureproject.com.